This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. Aloha, y'all. This is Daniel Eisenman, the host of the Breaking Normal podcast, where my guests are all invited based on the frequency of synchronicity, all done in person, and all trailblazers in the breaking of all things normal. Oh my goodness, Davina. I'm here with my daughter again, introducing the podcast. She loves doing these introductions with me, and I love that she loves doing them with me. Davina, we did, this is a podcast, Breaking Normal Podcast, episode number 100. Can you believe it? I think you are. Well, guys, and we're going to do Break Normal because this is the Break Normal Podcast. We're going to break normal. We're going to do something new. We're going to start a new season for the Breaking Normal Podcast on episode number 100. As y'all know, so far, the podcast has been based on synchronicity, and all of the episodes have been done in person, aiming to keep the creative constraint at 44 minutes to an hour and 11 minutes with no, like, really itinerary other than, like, heart sync over group thinking breaking normal for everyone for episode number 100 i'm introducing you the energy collective i ended up in this like magic mountain house i've called it the uh, mountaintop tribe mansion um a collective community co-working co-living co-loving space of a lot of epic entrepreneurs living in this epic space it's such a good time to be here um and tribing up and three of my roommates matt chandler justin nault and stephen cowan decided i don't know if we decided or something else decided for us and we said yes to create what we're calling the energy collective where we're going to do podcast and this first one is the four of us explaining what's going on explaining the concept inviting y'all to partake um, to join the Facebook group, Energy Collective, that's I-N-N-E-R-G, big G, space collective. And we're going to talk about what that means to us, but we're going to create a challenge every week. Um, and we've done, it's already meant so much to us already. And for me, I've faced the challenge of listening to what's calling, and it seems like the bison, I can't tell if I'm following the bison herd or if I'm part of the bison herd or the bison herd's following me. But we kicked off the Kickstarter for Tribe Vitamins Daddy, today and I, we accomplished our goal. Yes, baby. I don't want to do podcasts. You don't want to do it anymore? Well, then let's just go ahead and say goodbye and we'll introduce the first episode of the Energy Collective. All right, Davina, by the way, can you tell them about one more thing? Bitch. About your episode, number 98, the most special guest thus far. Do you yeah. have anything to say about that episode that we did? All right, that's a no. All right, I love you too. <laughs> she's she's always so divine. And I just, every every day, every moment, she gets to remind me to trust, to trust even more, and to surrender even more, and to go for it even more, and to realize that every breath, as even some of those breaths that I I, I judge to be challenging, have all been worth it for every moment with her and y'all. So keep breaking normal. Keep living large. Hey, Davina, stop. Keep rewilding your inner child and setting the truth free and loving everyone like you would love your daughter or like you do love your daughter or like you wish you loved your daughter. Much love, y'all. Hey, everyone. Make sure you go and check out the show notes for this episode. 
and there is a link to the Energy Facebook group. So make sure you join that, and there'll be a lot of great content from all the guys on there. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. Thanks. All right. Aloha. Wow. We're on. All right. We're live, y'all. We're live. Awesome. Okay. Right. Welcome. Lucky us. Welcome to the Energy Collective. My name is Daniel Eisenman. I'm sitting here with a King Warrior Lover and or magician to my right, left, and in front of me. <laughs> to the guy to the right of me, his name is Justin Nault. You might know him from the Clovis culture. I'm introducing him to introduce what in the heavens we're doing here and what this is all about at the Energy Collective. What are we doing, Justin? I'm going to try my best. We'll try to define this. So basically, the collective is our collective brainstorm of ways to help people change their lives for the better. And that can be in any number of ways. It can be primarily health and wellness, but a lot of times health and wellness gets wrapped up in nutrition and fitness, and it kind of gets stuck there. So we've had some pretty lengthy roundtable discussions about what this means for people helping them expand their vision of health and wellness beyond that. What are the daily lifestyle habits and routines that will get them to where they want to go? And in our opinion, the place that we want to get them to go is being their energy or revealing their energy. And we came to that name for a number of reasons. And basically all of our ages and what we grew up with, we all know what an original gangster is. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we kind of started with the idea of inner gangster. And then that moved into any number of things that start with the letter G, right? Your inner guru, your inner God or goddess, your inner gangster, um, your inner Gaia, which is basically just another word for mother earth. But it's basically finding the truest version of yourself or what I like to call the authentic self. Some people call it the higher self. It's almost your intuition, what you have inside of you that for whatever reason through societal programming, we have all lost touch with, it seems like in this modern day world and that we're we're kind of failing to even be in touch with our intuition at this point. So I think of energy as trying to help people uncover that energy so that they can learn to trust themselves and can live the life that they were put here to live. Well done. Well done, my man. I yeah. like that. I'd yeah. love to hear from the other uh, guests here and myself included, but I'll, I'll pass it to my left and uh, hear from Stephen Cowan, my new roommate, Beyond Microgreens and Beyond. Yes. What is your energy? What does this mean to you? My truest, most self-expressed version of me. And I find that in community and being pushed in different ways, anywhere where I feel an edge, um, that's something that I want to push through. I feel a lot of edges in this community. Uh, we're doing different challenges of jumping in cold exposure. Uh, that's been a big one. Working out, uh, running at 8,000 um, uh, foot elevation, things like that, that push me to expand beyond what I, I previously knew myself as. Nice. Nice. Uh, for me. And um, for me, who is, me, who is me? I would love, oh, yeah. Steven, can you <laughs> yeah, introduce yeah. me? Yes. Welcome, Daniel Eisman. And by me, can you introduce Matt? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I'd like to introduce Matt to introduce Daniel and, uh, welcome Matt. Thank you, Steven. Um, yeah, energy for me is kind of channeling that, like we were all talking about, our most authentic self. Um, going beyond the programs that we've all been born into, um, you know, and our product of our own environments, uh, and really channeling and finding that most authentic self to push ourselves um, and to find the limitless energy that we all have inside of us, basically. And I think it's important, um, you know, that 
just growing up and we'll kind of share our stories here in a little bit, but, uh, you know, all of our backgrounds were, were primed a certain way, um, and to, to react certain ways based on collective beliefs. And to me, it's finding that, you know, w- what is authentic about you? What is authentic about what we each bring, um, to this world and to this collective as a whole, um, and acting from our truths from ourselves. So to me, that's what that finding that energy is, um, mostly. Daniel, you're the last one here. Awesome, especially because we're four minutes and 20 seconds into our interview. I'm not <laughs> sure. I'm not sure that, who is, is that your number. I'm not sure who's interviewing who, but um, <laughs> my inner, like energy to me is like the inner my avatar. It's like turning my avatar on. It's uh, a fashion statement. I'm sitting here and I have my shirt unbuttoned, which is a notable thing because Stephen and I met around that around that environment. <laughs> it's another story for another time. And like it's because my heart is out. I expose the I expose the elements to my heart, um, and like my energy means I'm living. Like I'm wearing a fashion statement of living inside out, like by my heart's desires, instead of looking for people's reactions to tell me what to do. And that's scary. That's scary because I think inherently in our DNA and where we've evolved from fitting in was at once a time a survival mechanism. Mm. And now I think it's actually like a, uh, like a, I don't know, a comfort zone, a comfort zone that people rely upon instead of being called to like what we evolved to do. And that's to call, in my opinion, to follow our heart's desires. And that's bigger than me. And that's my energy. I love that dude because nice. that kind of that idea of fitting in that you're talking about it's like if I could find a name for it it's like a cast you know what I mean and you just get stuck in that and then your muscles atrophy and all of a sudden you forget who you actually are you just go with that programming for so long that it's an atrophied muscle and then you got to get it back well said all right so next I think we wanted to kind of go over you know each of our individual stories of how we kind of come to find our energy um, in each of us. So, um, who would like to go first? Justin, you want to start again? Sure. Let's do it. Yeah. My story is interesting because, um, it started out of a place of, of really pure vanity that I think a lot of people will connect with because it started with, um, growing up as a fat kid and then having a ton of body dysmorphia issues as a teenager and getting into, you know, muscle and fitness magazine and lifting all the weights and drinking all the whey protein and, eating as little as possible and those kinds of things. So I basically had this story around my body for my whole life. And then I've been a professional musician my whole life. So I have, I've had an 18 year career now as a professional musician that started, started getting paid for it when I was 17. That was my only job from 17 up until I started Clovis, the company that I have now. So my whole life is built on this foundation of music. So I don't even know how many gigs, thousands and thousands and thousands of gigs I've done. The last 10 years of my career was like 300 shows a year. It was madness. Um, but this all just played in this body dysmorphia stuff. So all along the, the, all along the line, I'm very much in people's faces all the time. I'm on videos, I'm on stages, all these things. All the while just like secretly hating my body in an industry that is very, very vanity driven. So that's a tough place to be. It was not good for my mental health and there's a lot of alcohol and partying and all that stuff involved, but I was always training, always involved in fitness, boxing, CrossFit, jujitsu, bodybuilding, like anything you can think of. If, if I had a heavy night drink in the night before, I'd do a P90X workout in my living room to like make up for it, quote unquote, that kind of stuff. So I was always obsessed with fitness, but I knew next to nothing about nutrition. 
And in my 20s, I discovered paleo, and that was a game changer for me. Everything was different. I was like, oh, now I work out and I actually get results. That's crazy. Like, who would have thought nutrition was that important? So the universe stepped in, kicked me in the face, and has redefined the way that I view health and wellness and have viewed health and wellness from this moment. And that's what I want to talk about going forward, what I call the other side of health and wellness. Because I was wrapped up in nutrition and fitness for vanity, which I think is a pretty poor motivator and will leave you feeling pretty empty on the other side of it, even when you achieve your goals. But around this time that I was studying nutrition, my brother and his wife gave birth to my niece, and her name is Savannah. And Savannah was born terminally ill, having 300 plus seizures a day. So she was given less than three years to live, like no chance she was going to live more than three years. And we thought it was going to be like a matter of weeks or months. So we lived in the pediatric ICU for a few months and they put her on a G-tube, which is a feeding tube that's pumped right into the stomach because she couldn't eat or drink anymore. And um, that was how we learned about the ketogenic diet for epileptic seizures. They thought maybe she was epileptic, but they didn't know. So I learned about the Charlie Foundation, keto diet for children and all this stuff. But at the time I had gotten so into nutrition and I had some free time because my music career was doing pretty well. Um, so I started studying nutrition in a way that, that made me understand some of the fundamentals, at least be, at least enough to be like a problem for the doctors. Right? And um, yeah, so when, when babies are having seizures and they're on a G-tube, they put them on this formula called KetoCal. And KetoCal is a ketogenic baby formula, but we discussed this on Daniel's podcast too. Um, doctors think very myopically. The, the, the big picture isn't really there. It's just they have blinders on, they focus on one thing. So in this case, it was, how do you make a ketogenic baby formula? It's gotta be high fat, it's gotta be low carb not giving thought to what those carbs and fats are made of. So this keto cal stuff is poison in a bottle. It's high fat, all from hydrogenated vegetable oils, which are basically known carcinogens. And then it's being fed to babies through feeding tubes, doesn't touch their taste buds and has multiple artificial sweeteners. Like it's just horrible. It's just this poison in a can. Our tax dollars subsidize it. It's given to every baby in the pediatric ICU through their G-tube if they're having seizures. So I pointed this out to the neurologist and this is where I'm going to get to my energy story here because I know it's kind of a lengthy story, but I point this out to the neurologist and he literally says, huh, I never thought to check that. <laughs> and that was game over. That's like, here we are where like I put on my king warrior archetype and I was like, this is bullshit. I have to fix this. So I went home and I was obsessed with paleo at the time. Thanks to like Rob Wolf, Chris Kresser, Abel, all these guys who have become friends now. It kind of blows my mind that that's what has happened. But um, so I started blending paleo superfoods, like food dehydrators, food processors, blending them up, mixing it with coconut milk, cacao, trying to make this formula. And eventually came up with a formula that I was cleared by the neurologist to feed to my niece over this keto cow bullshit. And um, I just read the four hour work week. And I was like, this can be a business, right? So I started a formula um, that was called the perfect paleo powder. And that's where Clovis came from. But really the energy thing for me is nutrition and fitness. I was obsessed with it right? Never got quite the results that I wanted, never got as far as I needed to go because it's what I called nutrition for vanity. The moment Savannah happened, it became nutrition with purpose. And that's a whole different ball game. That's the only way that you're going to sit in your room and read biochem books for hours to try to figure out what the hell's going on with your niece. I wasn't going to read biochemistry for six pack abs. I didn't give a shit. I thought I gave a shit, but I didn't. So that's my energy piece of this is helping people find purpose because people think the goal is health and wellness and it absolutely is not. It's what's on the other side of health and wellness when health and wellness is no longer an obstacle. So for me, I figured out health and wellness so that I can fully experience self-actualization and become the person that I was put here to be. Thank you.
Yeah, it's a great story. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't heard some of that story. Yeah, I haven't heard the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, it's gnarly. Thing. It's pretty gnarly. So it, people always ask me this too. Savannah's still alive, which is which is pretty crazy. Savannah is six. She's still on a feeding tube. She's still um, 100%. She's considered 100% vegetative. Some people don't like that word. They use 100% disabled. So my brother has a, you know, there's a nurse that's in the house 50 hours a week and she's taken care of and all these things. But um, yeah, it's just one of those things. That's that's like the first question I get. It's like, well, how, how's Savannah doing? I'm like, mm, same, you know? But it's, it's interesting. It's just a, a powerful thing to go through for your family because it becomes normal. You just have a, you know, there's plenty of people probably listening to this that have a handicapped family member. But um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. It gives you, gives you some serious perspective when you were chasing six-pack abs, you know? Hmm. I wonder if the formula's gotten better too. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Are they, still, too. Hope, are they still doing that? Keto Cal's still a thing. I wow. know that. And I saw some this nasty campaign the other day from Nestle. Nestle put out some new formula and they're like bragging about how it has... um. Uh, human mono oligosaccharides, which are these specific types of dietary fibers that feed the gut microbiome that's in breast milk that has been absent from formulas for years. So all the holistic people are like, hey, you don't have HMOs. This formula is nothing like breast milk. It can't be. It doesn't feed the gut microbiome. That's why kids have allergies and asthma and all this stuff, right? So now Nestle steps in and goes, okay, we're going to put this prebiotic dietary fiber in this formula. I searched their website for 40 minutes before I could find ingredients. The ingredients were nowhere. It was just like proprietary protein blend, proprietary HMOs, blah, 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 blah. And I found it, all hydrogenated vegetable oils. The mm. same bullshit, wow. just with some fiber added to it. So they market the fiber. I mean, there's a lot of people that are getting optimistic about these big food companies stepping into natural health and wellness, like Kraft Heinz buying Primal Kitchen and things like that. I get it. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I don't know that I would say optimistic. It's just the money machine is too big. Yep. They tend to make decisions based off of economics and what's going to be most profitable. That's and it. Typically, those are the cheapest ways to process and manufacture. And yeah. unfortunately, that's the sad truth on those. And that's why bigger companies swallowing up those healthier, healthier, smaller companies is sometimes dangerous, which I hope changes. I really do. I do too. Another quick thing I'll touch on is, is that a big part of this energy thing as well is like I'm sitting here in Blue Blockers. You have Blue Blockers on. Like There are certain things that we do that people think are very weird. And that's difficult when you don't have community. There's a lot of people stuck in standard American ways that are terrified of being judged by their family, by their friends, by the PTA, by the teachers, whatever. And I ran into this because I put a homemade baby formula. It's still on my website. It's at imclovis.com. I don't give a shit who likes it's there or not. I don't care. But my dad was making homemade baby formula for all of my brother's kids. And we shared that recipe online. And you can do it. You can make homemade baby formula very easily. And it's wonderful. And a lot of people are going to judge you. And a lot of people are going to tell you this is bad for your kid. Doctors say you shouldn't do that. Doctors say you should get the stuff sold on the grocery store shelves for a penny an ounce. You know, so that's part of this energy thing as well. As I, I want to build a community where people don't have to be afraid anymore. They don't have to be afraid of being weird. You know, I've been a, I've been a self-proclaimed weird on my whole life, and that can get real lonely if you don't have community. No, I totally agree, and I think that's part of the, you know, Daniel's big on breaking normal yeah. whole brand and podcast. And I think that, you know, breaking the normal, making it normal uh, around our community, I think is important to make people feel more comfortable and make it uh, start to turn the collective belief of what we've all been told, what's best for us. So um, I love how everyone talks with their hands here. And I'm realizing because we have so much microphone equipment on the table, if we don't do it on the uh, table. Yeah. yeah just it's all right. We'll try. Play, since I'm playing here. the audio guy. <laughs> and um, you meant, you know, the epileptic. So this is keto. What is it called? Keto Cal? Is that specific, specifically for epileptic? 
people. Yes. So, so you must have come across the CBD industry along that search. And I was thinking, like, Matt, that might be a good segue to hear from you and sure. what this energy inner story means to sure. you. Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah, definitely. Um, for me, I feel like, uh, you know, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma. And really the collective belief was, you know, go to school, get good grades, be good at sports, um, graduate, go to college. A lot of people went to the local college, stayed local, uh, get a job, maybe at like mainly the local Air Force Base because it was a safe job that uh, a lot of people, like including my parents, tried to get me to go into as well. Um, and then get married. Pilot, by the way, <laughs> you, you look like like a handsome pilot. You look pilot, tonight. yeah. <laughs> Top exactly. Note before we continue. <laughs> um, but yeah, then get married and have a family and uh, live a live happily happily ever after. And um, you know, I did all those except for I wasn't cut out for the typical nine to five, so I was an entrepreneur. Um, and I got into real estate pretty quickly. Uh, had some success in that. Um, did pretty well, and like I would say, most entrepreneurs um, kind of was still empty inside and was looking for what's next and what's more. Um, still feel, feel like I was enough and I needed to create more, you know, to, to get that validity and that I could prove myself and to prove to others, um, you know, my worth. And so I struggled with that a lot and I started another business, um, started two gyms in the fitness industry in Oklahoma. Uh, about three years later, uh, learned a lot of lessons and lost close to a million dollars and shut them shut them down, <laughs> um, which then I couldn't stop there and uh, definitely needed to prove myself even more. I felt like, which then got in right back into real estate and work extra hard uh, to prove to myself and others that I was enough. And I feel that um, you know through that process I was working like seventy to eighty hours a week. Um, was stressed out, and I think most importantly, I wasn't spending time with my family and the people that meant the most to me. Um, so one Sunday afternoon, I was sitting at my home um, in my kitchen on my phone, uh, kind of doing a deal or talking to someone about real estate, which was typical. And Macy, who was four at the time, who was my daughter, um, kind of came up to me and was like, Daddy, um, I need to tell you something. And I was like, sure, babe, what's up? So I did my normal thing, which was look up at her, even though my head was still going about what I was doing on my phone and what I was thinking about on my deal. And she was starting to talk to me. And about five seconds in, she's like, daddy, daddy. And I'm like, yep. She's like, you're not listening to me. And I was like, yeah, baby, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, I'm hearing you. And she's like, you're hearing me, but you're not listening. Wow. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That struck me. Um, you know, I started, uh, I was like, wow, you're right, babe. I'm not. Um, I could repeat probably the last five words that she said to me, but I couldn't necessarily, I wasn't fully engaged in the conversation. And I knew it instantly. Um, I kind of broke down uh, and started crying a little bit, um, to be honest and be vulnerable. Um, and it was a kind of a turning point for me. And I feel like in life, we all kind of face those things that, you know, we have these moments in life that come up and slap us in the face. And they're the turning points where we're able to you know, take a look and take a step back from our patterns um, that we're normally expressing and find out like, is this the route that I'm wanting to go? Is this, is this who I am? Is that what I want to live? And I noticed pretty quickly that, I mean, I, I don't, you know, and I can't say that it, from that moment on that it was like all great from there. I think that was like one of the biggest turning points and one of the many moments that was very impactful in my life. 
Um, but it was a stepping stone that I think that, you know, it's, it, at that point on, I was like, you know, things have got to change. And I started taking steps to kind of go back to my authentic self and find my energy, you know, and really what I like to call is restoring balance, um, which is a lot of, you know, a year later moving to Colorado, getting into the CBD industry, what I feel like, you know, CBD does um, in people's bodies is restoring balance. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was uh, something that, you know, I started meditating. Um, I started doing yoga, um, started reading, you know, more spiritual books, started spending more time with the family and really just diving down into like, you know, I know I got to change my patterns. I think at that time I was spending like 95% of my time indoors sitting at a desk mm. um, doing work and, you know, things like that. Um, I was about 215, 220 pounds. Um, I always stayed pretty active and were worked out like an hour or two, but was definitely holding a lot of weight, which now I'm probably like 180, feel tremendously better, like more of my natural weight. Um, but yeah, which just had so much stuck energy and uh, so many things and was just my whole life was kind of out of balance where I was spending my time. And so, um, like I said, at that point on, it was kind of a, a change and just slowly, gradually, you know, moved to Colorado a year afterwards, started our CBD company um, and really have been changing my habits and getting outside more and jumping in cold water and, you know, doing things that uh, push myself and to kind of find that energy inside. So, yeah, that was uh, one of the ways that I found my energy <laughs> <That's> <laughs> in awesome, my man. store. Thank you. Well, for the record, all of us get to watch you with your kids and you're awesome at it. So uh, it's, yeah, you're it's amazing dad. to watch, man. I appreciate that. It yeah. means a lot. And Macy, all right, I'm, I'll tell a quick story. I've gotten one a baseball autographed from someone that wasn't a major league baseball player. Mm -hmm. And that person, he's now a major league baseball player, and he hit a home run in his first game as a New York Yankee. And I think I have the gift of, like, recognizing gems. <laughs> and your daughter, Macy, is definitely one of the most special people I've ever met. Wow. Thank you. Like, I don't know what is going to become of that, but I am excited to find out. And if she was playing baseball, I would get her autograph. <laughs> wow. So, wow. And it means so much that, uh, like, she and Davina live together here at mm -hmm. this energy collective uh, grounds. Yeah, the house. Yeah. Uh, she's a, such a good, oh, wow. uh, I love that her and Davina, like, I love that Davina is influenced by her, basically. Thank you. Mm -hmm. That means a lot. She is a very, very, very special girl. And I can't wait to see her grow up and be a part of her life as well. It's awesome. Yeah, she's like edging on some sort of genius. She is. Some, <laughs> she's definitely. In, in certain parameters, I'm like, oh, you or me, you're a genius. And you got she is. Excited. She is. <laughs> yeah, so anyhow. And Cruz, on the other hand, lots of fun. I think Cruz is genius. Well, uh, I'm, I'm is amazed genius. how yeah, focused yeah. he is with hunting the lizards. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That I'm is something... That, yeah. I'm inspired by it deeply as well. Oh, yeah. He's just gets so focused on these lizards. Mm -hmm. I got to hear him talk about it a little bit. It was awesome. Oh yeah, he's very he's excited. excited, and he has a lizard as well. He does. He's got yep. a dragon. bearded dragon, bearded dragon, bearded dragon, <laughs> Crusher Spike Chandler. <laughs> That's his name. It's a full name. It's a strong name. Yeah, he does what he named it. I'm gonna name my son that. <laughs> <laughs> Can I steal that? <laughs> You can't. You can't. <laughs> well, who's up? Right. Who's gonna rock their energy right Stephanie? now? Yeah, yeah. I'd love. To, I'd love to go. So, 
I am originally from Chicago. Grew up in a very conservative Christian home. Great family. I'm very close with my family to this day. And I went to college, to a Christian college in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and grew up very much around the church. And that put a lot of my structure in place uh, growing up. Lots of good things from there. And then lots of like suppressed expectations. This is the way that you're supposed to be. Any other, your full self-expressed way uh, is wrong, is sinful, is not. Um, so I was like, okay, that's, that's all right. I'll just I'll kind of go down this this route that is expected of me, and both my parents are in sales, and that was a really good career for them. So, for the next after graduating, I spent the next ten years selling software, and I was really good at it, and I had a lot of fun doing it, and it got me um, a lot of nice things. I was able to travel all over the world, and I worked at three different companies, and in between each company transition, I would go and travel the world for six months to a year, wow. solo backpack. And so, yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. And it was one of the greatest ways to learn I found was through travel. And I got to really learn myself and see how much I could rely on myself when I'm in these crazy situations out in uh, Vietnam or Africa and people are trying to always run scams on you and rob you. And it's like, okay, who, who are you? It really piques your intuition. It forces you to be uh, very aware and had amazing adventures and connections and lived in Africa for three months in Zambia uh, on the Zambezi River, uh, right downstream from Victoria Falls, where I was living on a mission base, actually. One of my best friends, Dave Hoime, who uh, was running a well drilling operation, and we would travel out into these remote villages, and we would drill and repair water wells out in the middle of Zambia. And like for schools where these kids didn't even have water. It's like very, very humbling experience getting to see how big the world is out there and like how, how like what we consider poor here is like nothing compared to other places, as I know you all know. And so I moved around in my, my software career from Chicago to San Francisco to Denver. And in Denver, I found something just wasn't right. I was no longer engaged. I was no longer motivated. To be really good at software sales, you have to be very money motivated. And I was super money motivated. It was, I played sports growing up and there, and everything was competitive, stacked, ranked, who's the best in all these different ways. And I loved being at the top of every type of leaderboard. And that, and then all of a sudden, like, I didn't care about that stuff anymore. It, like, it was just gone. It's like, okay, I've already done that for like 10 years. And, and yet I'm expected to be this cog in the wheel. This, like, this is what you're supposed to do forever. And I, my intuition was like, there's something way more for you like this. There's, you have like great gift here, go and find it. And like a pendulum, I'd realized I swung way too far into this place of artificial life where I'm living in. Uh, hotels, airplanes, airports, and eating artificial food and and working in a building with thousands of computers and phones and just technology so much and not living a healthy way, living like a very instant gratification uh, way. And where I was out of balance was I wasn't connected with nature or with really with myself. 
And my intuition was just screaming, go to nature. So I booked a one-way ticket to Iquitos, Peru, the largest city in the world, uh, in the heart of the Amazon jungle, surrounded by 150,000 different plants and animals. And I had a connection down there. And through that, I was able to start to learn from some of the indigenous people. And they were guiding me through the rainforest and showing me um, what, what all these different plants and animals were and where they would see food, life, shelter, death. I would see nothing. I was like completely illiterate to that world. And thinking back to the parks that I grew up around in Chicago that had one or two dozen plants, I'm like, I don't know what any of those plants are, let alone what any of them do. And if I'm like anything like our average Westerner, then this is most of our Western culture. And so I was like, okay, well, this is this is an area where we're very out of balance is nature and in that way. And um, again, very conservative Christian upbringing. I had never even uh, smoked cannabis until the age of 28, until I moved to San Francisco where it was legal. I'm getting excited. I'm touching the table. Uh, the table is these I, microphones. So I haven't ever this. used these before, but they're extremely oh, they sensitive to this yeah, touch yeah. of the table as as a heart's up. Yeah, Thank far. you. Thanks yeah. for owning that. Yeah. Thanks for owning that. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in a, in a zone here. I know. Keep going. Keep and going. so I I just grew up like binge drinking. That was totally okay in the Christian culture. <laughs> yeah. Like I would, I would show up at 15 home and my mom and I'd, I'd run a bathtub and I'd fall asleep wasted in a running bathtub. And my mom, and I love her, she's amazing. I would get the pass because it was alcohol. But yeah. any, anything else, totally not okay. And so I never even had, I'm 34 today, never even had cannabis until it was legal in California. I'm like, what the heck is this? This is way better than alcohol. <laughs> this, what is going on? And then the I devil's went. Devil's lettuce. Yeah. Then I went off the deep end on it, and then uh, I got into an abusive place with it. And now I have to have rules around myself uh, for it. But um, so I, w- I was going to Iquitos, Peru, and Iquitos, Peru is also known as like the epicenter for ayahuasca, one of the strongest psychedelics known to man. And they call it, call it the mother of all medicine. And I'm a, I'm about to fly to Iquitos, and I'm calling my dad. I'm like, hey, dad. Uh, you're my emergency contact, and uh, I'm going this place where I don't know anybody, and um, I'm gonna, about to do some foreign things in foreign places. With it's gonna get a little weird. I've been listening, I've been reading some things online, and I uh, think I'm gonna go see Jesus. And, <laughs> and he's like, "Listen, I never ask you for anything. Do not do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. You're gonna die." I'm like, "Whoa!" And I'm about to board the flight. I'm like, "I'm, but I'm gone." Yeah. And so I went and like any good shaman, and it was a very safe, um, well-run medicine space. And the shaman introduced me to this psychedelic world through a very small amount and that like a handshake. And he's, he, that gave me full clarity into my situation that, oh, this is medicine, that these plants are medicine, that these plants are our teachers and our greatest allies. And I had insight into and, and clarity into the, the people in the room. The, um, these people are healers. And I had a few more journeys and more experiences. I came back to, <laughs> I came back to Denver and I basically turned my apartment into a hydroponic farm. I went from growing one or two houseplants 
to thousands of plants within a few weeks. And I was just like, I just got to go down this plant journey. The closer I get to plants the in nature, the better my life gets. And I've just been following these plants ever since. So I uh, came across microgreens, which are a phase in the plant's life where they're the most concentrated in all the good things. We're mainly familiar with them from high-end restaurants or like a garnish, like a little beautiful piece of art on top of the the dish and total afterthought. It's not even advertised on the menu. When you get microgreens on your meal, it's it's a surprise. And and yet Europe knows about this and is very educated in in the nutritional benefits. So I'm like, whoa, Europe is like crushing it with microgreens. There's all these kits, there's these farms, they're like all these studies. We don't know anything about it. They're only available to like the top 1% of 1%. I'm gonna start growing these these microgreens. This is a problem that has not been solved. They have, these are not widely available to people and there's no research. And I then moved out to Breckenridge, Colorado, and I started a microgreens farm, small farm. And I started servicing the different resorts, restaurants, farmer's markets. And then I just fell in love with the farmer's markets and connecting. And that's where I, I got back in like that sales education type way and could bring a new product to market every single every single week and came across tea. Tea is the most, ayahuasca is a tea and tea is the original medicine and uh, it's the most popular drink in the country and the world. So I started dehydrating these microgreens. just like Justin experimenting with formulations. How do we get these good things, almost like sneak them into people's diets. I started mixing them with different organic herbal teas. People were like, hey, this is, this is amazing. Uh, micro tea was born November of 2018. And then I moved to Boulder, Colorado that same month. Boulder being the Silicon Valley of the natural products industry, there's like the most support and uh, like-minded people and so many amazing organizations have come out of this. And unlike the technology Silicon Valley that I was in for several years in San Francisco, where it's very competitive and people, there's hushed voices and it almost felt like people are trying to rip you off. Here it's like, I talk with other tea company founders and CEOs and they're like, yeah, here's my publicist. Here's my, like, it's, it's these veterans are helping pull up the next generation of, of people. So, um, and then it's evolved and, and where I'm finding my energy is from constantly trying to improve myself and being around people that, that push me, that inspire me, that lead by action. I mean, nobody in this house is like, hey, you got to jump in the cold or you got to meditate or you got to run or you've got to journal or any of it. But I see all of you guys doing it. I'm like, well, I got to do that. What am I doing not doing it? So it's, um, it's community uh, that, that helps me get there. If I feel tension, if I feel um, uh, like tightness, how can I release that? And yeah, it's it's uh it's an ever evolving journey. I'm not fully self-expressed. I'm not the, the 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 greatest version of myself. I know that, and I get there through working on myself. The more I work on myself, the better things get around me. Mm. Wow, that's the first time I've heard that whole story too. Me too. That was man. amazing. Me three. That and was. I, I was like looking at you. First of all, I I see like your. I felt like I saw. I got your roots. Mm-hmm. I, I felt your roots. I felt you as a microgreen. <laughs> Thank you. That was epic. I yeah. almost feel like I know your parents more now all of yeah. a sudden. And I, I, can love relate, I can relate to that. I, I love them. To your story. I love them. If you're listening to this, mom and dad, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> that was a su- that like super authentic version of yourself. Thank yeah. you for expressing all that. Yeah. That's, That's my great. judgment anyways. Well, thanks for creating the space where it's very easy to do that. That's what this space is. That's the magic and power of this is we are 
in a safe container where we can self-express and um, and continue on this journey to uh, the greatest versions of ourselves. Yeah, it's a good point you had at the end too, because I think with health and wellness, like health is for everybody. Fitness is for everybody. Entrepreneurship is for everybody. Like some people don't want to do it and they don't have to, but it's available to them. And what you're talking about, like talking to other tea companies and like the rising tide raises all ships. You know, it's scarcity mindset to think that, like you said, Silicon Valley, you're going to steal from me. You're going to do this, you're going to do that. It's like, that's with energy. Why would we not share this with people? Why would we not get on here and just be like, hey, if you jump in a cold creek, it sounds kind of crazy, but you feel amazing after. Maybe you should try it. Mm -hmm. That's like, a, that's a secret I don't want to keep, you know? Mm -hmm. So just to touch on how that channels back to energy. Oh yeah, I love that you did that because that reminds me of another way I would relate to energy is being like, that's drinking from the well that doesn't run dry. It's like the source of infinite energy. Yeah. Is that one that comes from within, the same one that beats my heart, the same one that's whatever, responsible for my perceptive, perception right now. And it's amazing, it's amazing. It's, it's abundant. Nice to be here with y'all. Yeah, that's that abundance right there. That spring, spring-like yep. energy. Lucky us. Well, I'm excited to hear your full story. Yeah, yeah my full. Yeah, I was. I don't even know exactly what the cue or the question is, but I love the, the explorations thus yeah. far. <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm going to aim to explore how I've uncovered or discovered or unleashed my energy throughout, like my ethos of my life in a way. I'll see. I'll see what I can do. Woo! All right. Let's see. Day eight. <laughs> I imagine day eight, I, I laughed, but I imagine it was extremely significant. I think I was like circumcised, bris style, Jewish style, uh -huh. probably with a bunch of dissociated drunk family members celebrating it culturally. Um, because I, what I would say is probably under some sort of spell of group think. And um, I, I think I come from a lineage that is breaking groupthink. I would call it breaking normal. You know, that's how I call it breaking normal. Because my, uh, my dad's parents, they survived, survived the Holocaust by living under a graveyard and creating a potato garden and fleeing to the United States. And my mom's family is much more from the conservative Christian. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if I looked into it. Like, my ancestors probably had slaves, basically. Like, deep South lineage. And like my mom and dad broke so many normals by getting married, all kinds of issues, all kinds of issues. Like, like, cause, and, and I was like the symbol, I was the epitome of the issue. Like, like is he going to be Jewish? Is he going to be Christian? Or is he going to be circumcised? Is, what, what are we doing? Um, this is his name. His, my, you know, my, mom, my dad's mom had a name for me that my mom, eventually, long story short, they, my mom and dad moved to Georgia away from Miami, for where my dad's family is, where he started many, like he had many businesses going with his family, including a pharmacy or two. Um, so drugs has been in the family a long time as well. <laughs> and um, so the, what happened, they met, actually my mom was in nursing school, my dad was at pharmacy school, they met, and then all this happened and it all erupted with me. So by age five, we were out of Miami, I'm in Georgia now being indoctrinated into the more conservative Christian culture while my dad probably overcomes drug issues and being awesome. Like my dad's epic. My dad's a great drug user. He hasn't used drugs anymore. I want to use drugs with him, but he won't do it. <laughs> He's probably the best guy to use drugs with. 40, like one of the best pharmacists for like 40, over 40 years now. And uh, long story short, he became a Christian. Uh, actually, probably when I was like around 16 or 17 or 18, something like that. 
anyways, you know, I'm, I, I, I was exposed to all of this. I, I'm the oldest sibling of four. I became like almost a surrogate parent, I think, in some ways, when my parents went around to my three younger siblings. So just like immediately indoctrinated also into a leadership role. And my leadership, um, basically when I graduated college, I were, no, actually, let me take a step back. There was two pivotal points with my energy activated. One was when I was like a teenager, and I think I was 17. When I started driving, whatever the age that was, 15, 16, 17, I was so amped on like KFC and Coca-Cola <laughs> yeah. and so much testosterone and like no understanding of consequences in my mind. And I was, when I got to driving, I was so reckless. I, like, I'm so blessed to be alive. I eventually flipped my mom's car down the school bus lane, like over a little cliff. And me and my best friend were in the car. And he, we all come out unscathed, but I like, got charged with reckless driving. And when I, what happened was when I saw my friend's parents pick up him, and they looked at me, they looked at me, and they looked at him, and everything was okay, but the car was flipped upside down, there was police everywhere, it was like, he was a little scratched up from glass, like we were flipped upside down, so when we unbuckled the seatbelt, we got scraped a little bit. Um, but when I saw his parents look at him, I was like, oh my God, like a, that was something removed, like some sort of reckless abandonment, like some sort of warrior. I was an out of control warrior where I thought I could do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, however I wanted. That, like I shed that skin. I was like, oh my God, my actions can have consequences. Mm. So that was a big, <laughs> that was like peeling back one layer to get closer to the energy, I think. And um, then when I graduated college, I, I took the MCAT. So I thought I was going to be a doc, like go to medical school. Basically, that was all the societal pressure. Like my mom dreamed, since I had become a baseball player, she dreamt of me becoming a cardiac surgeon. And I always thought like, well, I could become an emergency room doctor. So I just like, and all my friends, I, was, I went to really good, I went to Emory, uh, Emory School. And that has like the highest success rate of getting people into medical school, uh, maybe anywhere. And I broke that normal by, by not doing that because I accomplished the pre-med part. Just not, I, I, when I applied to pre-med, when I applied to medical school, when I decided not to apply to medical school, that what it was, was. I took the MCATs, decided not to apply to medical school. That was an awakening moment because I'm like, what am I going to do now? Just like spent all that money on college mm. and I am not spending more money just doing what other people want me to do anymore. This yeah. is ridiculous. So I just like, well, what if I started doing what I, like, what if I got paid to do what I would pay to do? And that led me down this crazy, crazy adventure that started about 12 years ago. I like started searching on going to festivals that I wanted to go to and finding ways to get paid to be there. Then that became like, I became like this all-star marketer for all these big companies and the front lines. Like I would be the guy in the streets with shirtless or having a stiletto on a silver platter and my job was to flirt with women or whatever it was. I was like that guy that was marketing for these big companies. And then this, something struck me there. It was like at one point we were marketing for Little Debbie oh, wow. and it was the Million Smile Mission and I was driving this vehicle around to take pictures of people with free Little Debbies and I realized the marketing plan was like to target lower demographic people that already had health issues like the highly diabetic parts of America. Yeah. And I just, like, would give out these free little Debbies and then I would see them give it to their like toddlers and like infants. And I'm like, then I woke up, like we quit that job and they were like, let's just promote what we believe in and get paid to do what we paid it to. Mm. So then my brothers and I created a company called Rob Bras and we started hosting adventure retreats. They were evolved into like raw vegan adventure retreats that evolved into like raw health retreats because raw veganism we kind of got caught in this like uh, dogma 
I would say a pretty religious dogma of thinking that raw veganism was like the path to enlightenment. I felt good for three months, but then I got, we, it was a long story short that we <laughs> became more obsessed with doing retreats about health through honesty. Mm. So um, that turned into a company called International Tribe Design, and that turned into Breaking Armor the Book and the podcast, and that turned into me being here. Um, and paradoxically, going through a divorce, like spent like eight years or nine years like building communities that were epic. And for whatever reason, my personal relationship needed to transcend where Deanna and I are not like married and living together anymore, but more co-parenting. And from that is like as emotionally brutal as that's been. Um, from Davina's perspective, like the silver lining, it just seems like she's continuously living her best life. It's like almost like, man, are we this? When I look at Davina, I'm like, I'm in the right space. She's loving this. And I'm not going to pretend that uh, paradox of me building communities and relationships and me going through a divorce like eight years after doing that. It almost like trained me for that. And I landed here with uh, Matt that's going through his own version of that. With so many synchronicities, just as obvious that I'm supposed to be here. So I think pretty much when I wrecked my mom's car, <laughs> I started <laughs> learning how to follow, like not only to realize that life is a choice, it's always like to live is a choice. People, when they say they need to do anything, I don't think you don't need to do anything. You don't need to do anything. You don't even need to live. You can end your life right now. Many people do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's a choice. It's a choice. And my choices have consequences. And I want to be kind as possible to my future self while like living my best life right now and figuring out that balance and walking that tightrope and loving doing it and enjoying other people around me that are willing to do that and report out loud what is happening for them as mm. they do it. So like I've learned to not be around people that are trying to get me to fit in, but more to be myself. And yeah, y'all are all doing that. I think that's why we're all here uh, cultivating this energy collective with a challenge that I'm excited to explore. Mm. But I think that answers the original prompt potentially. <laughs> Oh, wow. dude, that was amazing. That was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, this I, is fun. Like, we're all getting to know each other more. more. Too. Yeah, yeah. I, would yeah. Agree. I never got to hear any of your story. I did yeah. your podcast, but I didn't get to hear it the other way around. But you touched on something great at the end there. Uh, one of my best friends in the world who's been kind of a mentor to me, and oddly enough, I met him in Ikados, Peru on my first spirit quest. Mm. So we both had our first experiences in the same place, which is interesting. But I met this guy, Christian, who's my brother at this point. I mean, consider him a friend. He's just amazing. And um, he was talking to me about the way he raises his kids. And he said, all I do is I let my kids know that good, bad, right, and wrong is always subjective. Always. It does not matter. No matter how right you think you are, it's always subjective. Some other culture can argue with you and debate it their way, right? So he said, I just teach my kids that there is no good, bad, right, or wrong. There are choices and there are consequences. And consequences is almost always thought of as a negative connotation, something bad. Not necessarily. There's just a cause and response. That's it, right? But we, we do this thing like you flip a car. That's a real life or death situation. Then you get into people who may have completed Emory and sunk the sunk cost theory. I already spent all this money on pre-med. I got to keep going. If I don't do this, my parents are going to disown me or my friends are going to make fun of me or this. This is the breaking normal, right? You had to break normal because normal is going to try to just keep you stuck. 
you, it, it feels like a life or death situation. If I don't complete med school, I already put in all this money to it, all this work, all this time, all this energy. And you're what? You're like 20 or 21. And you just think like, if I don't do this, my life is over. And you're yeah. like, you can reset right now. You can fail for the next 15 years and still be really young. <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it's yeah. just crazy. And we live in this crazy world now too, where people do the, you know, you're over the hill at 40. By after age 50, you're just waiting to die. Right, like it's this really crazy standard American thing because we accept pharmaceuticals, we accept poor health, we accept the norm, we accept that life is a job I don't love, and then I get home, I eat a little dinner in front of Netflix, and then I fall asleep, and I do it again the next day. We talked about this the other the other day when we were running, running at eight thousand feet, which has been very interesting. <laughs> There's uh, interesting. It's amazing, man. That'll be a challenge for us. Yeah, it's yeah, definitely. A challenge. We'll get there, <laughs> but there's um, I think of it as pro survival and anti survival we got to this weird place where everybody is choosing anti-survival things. It's like you get home on a Friday, you had a bad day at the office, your boss was mean to you, somebody cut you off in traffic, you're feeling miserable and your brain says, I deserve this cheesecake and this six pack of beer, right? It's like this crazy thing that we do, but that's a very anti-survival decision. If you remove the emotion, think about that logically, that's an anti-survival decision. But somehow all the anti-survival decisions are 100% normal. <laughs> and all the breaking normal decisions, which are pro-survival, like jumping in cold water for five minutes is pro-survival. In the land of COVID, like you want to strengthen your immune system, do cold exposure every day. There you go. One of the most potent things you can do to raise glutathione levels in your body, as you know, with the NRF2 pathway and microgreens and all your stuff, right? But people don't know that. Jumping in a cold lake boosts my immune system. And when you do it, you get called weird. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know this, but maybe it's because this is new to me, but I'm in the creek with you guys and we're doing our own breath work and jumping up and down with fish with this dog swimming around. And all of a sudden we got a crowd. We got yeah, a crowd we got on the video bridge. Us. We got people with their phones out and it's they're true. looking at us and it's like, look at this circus. Yeah. We're breaking yeah. normal. And, but you have to be comfortable with that. And it's, it's so, the first time I got in the, in the creek with you guys and Daniel started yelling, even me, I was like, he's yelling in public. What? <laughs> right. <laughs> what is it? I don't yell in public, you know, but we all of a sudden. yelling yesterday. Yeah, we, we did. did. We did. You sparked it, Steven. Yeah. It's hard to like, yell, hey. even be most authentic on your own by yourself. I was feeling that running. I'm like, man, I can't even get like, like some primal yells were coming out. And I'm like, okay, let me record this and see what that's like. And I was like, whoa, all shy about it. And I'm like. I'm not fully self-expressed there. Yeah. Well, that you, could be a great challenge too. You told me that. And I was like, I was listening to you and I was like, I can't yell in public. I mean, I'm a singer, dude. I've been on stage my whole life. I'm like, I can't yell in public alone. What? Like, or not even in public. Like if I was running alone, I wouldn't have done it. But I ran with Matt. I got to just do it. And I he started yelling. <laughs> through and I was like, that's a badass yell. And my brain's like, I want to do that. And he goes, do it. And I went, I can't. <laughs> and he goes, we're going to count it off. One. And counted me three, two, one. <laughs> and we just screamed. And I was like, I just screamed at the top of my lungs. That was really weird. <laughs> but it's this energy release, man. Like it that's was. energy coming out. It's like yeah, something in there is energy. suppressed for me. Yeah. For sure. It's your mm -hmm. most authentic you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Most self-expressed you. What if we were to, what does the audio guy say if we were to yell? Oh, listeners are driving right now. Like, no, just, just stop. Yeah. Let's save it for the end. We'll get some videos of us yelling in cold water. Yeah, there you go. That would be better. Just a little, bit, a little bit of distance. Speaker yeah, we don't want to bust our eardrums. Too you right mentioned, now. though, that 40 over the hill thing. 
Ooh, I don't I, like. I am not one to talk about pet peeves, but you reminded me of one, and Is that's that a the big that's one? the meme of yeah, like over. Because so with all the retreats I hosted and we did a lot of challenging things, there were so many people that said, oh, I'm too young to do that or I'm too old to do that. And it was like one of those epiphanies is like, wait, so do these people believe what if they believe they're too young or old to do something, how long do they have to do that? And mm. how long did they give themselves to do that? Did they just give them like a one day window or a 10 day <laughs> window or it was yeah. like a year? And that to me is one of the most like culturally accepted limitations is just something about around age, something around age and that over the hill. Well, you mentioned Primal Kitchen. I've met Mark Susan. Yeah, me too. Uh, he's like 60 something, I think, yeah. at this point. He's like one, he's more ripped and fit than most 20 year olds I know. So, and he's not the only person I know like that. So I just want to remind myself out loud what a potential virus of the mind it is to think of like reti I'll retire over the hill mm. too young too old mm. the whole age meme thing mm -mm. Mm -mm. not for me you know we're the only language and culture that has a word for retirement mm. yeah it's, it's staggering it's nuts and that's if you start looking into centenarians and things like that and they talk about like the blue zones they're looking the blue zones they all eat carbohydrates i'm like you think that's what it's about because they smoke cigarettes and they drink wine every day too so is that what totally do you think healthy. what do you think this is yeah it's community it's 100 percent community is what we're trying to build here they don't have a word for retirement and their elders are tremendously respected you know like my dad for my dad's 61 he's got abs deadlifts 350 pounds and did great in his life and made a ton of money right and super happy and was just like randomly a few weeks ago i was like i'm gonna buy a fedex business and i'm gonna take it from good to great so i'm gonna build a new business and people his age were like, what are you talking about? Like, you're tired. You have money. Like, stay Why home. Why would you go back to and doing it? And he, he's like, I'm not going to go home and die. I'm not going to sit around and just wait. Like, what am I going to do? You know, he's like, built his dream house and has a great time on the weekend with his grandkids and everything. He's like, I'm going to build a new company. I'm going to do something, keep my mind sharp. It's, it's crazy that people think that they can't do that. Like, if you were to walk down the street and grab any, you know, 160-year-olds and ask them all, like, do you think you're too old to start a brand new company and get it off the ground? Like, you probably get a lot of very negative answers, yeah. I'd imagine. Most people at that age are like, yeah, I'm retired, going home, watching, watching TV, yeah. chilling, maybe going to the store, doing a few things. And then, yeah, just slowly, you know, they kind of like have that belief that it's kind of over. And then that's when the dying process starts. I mean, if you just, I'm having this a little bit, this is a little bit of an esoteric edge here. Let's go. But if you have like a little ball of energy, so imagine if you're watching the video, you have a ball of energy. And like you think of a ball of energy from zero to 10 years old in its natural state. It is pretty moving unless they mm -hmm. go to school. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. church or whatever it is. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like right. Whatever it is that might get them to sit for a long period of time. But yeah. It's pretty natural to move. And I, it's so hard to tell when culture takes over. But yeah, when you're describing a 50 or 60 year old that's just going to work and then sits and watches Netflix and mm -hmm. the energy goes from like here to here to here. Mm. Of course, that's not that's not uh, in bring, not that, that's not going to expand mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's the best way like the best way to i mean the worst torture on earth is to confine someone where they can't really move out of a certain that amount of space yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's so true and it's like think about the opportunities that we have right you could be you don't have and that's what i'm saying it's like no one needs to do what my dad did nobody needs to do what mark sisson did nobody needs to do any of the things that we do you just have to understand that you have options mm -hmm. right because you could be 60 years old right now and even if you are retired and you go you know what i got money in the bank and i don't want to work go take a salsa lesson go to a wine and paint night bring mm -hmm. your own bottle of wine and learn how to how to paint watercolors 
Go take a yoga class. Like go meet a community. Get on face and get on a Facebook group. If you love politics, go meet up with a po- political group. You know what I mean? Like just, mm-hmm. it's this crazy thing that we do where we set all these limitations when we really have like endless abundance. We can do. You can click a button on your phone and sushi shows up at your door. And you're going to tell me like you can't do things? It's like I, I can't wrap my brain around it. That's true. It's the uh, perfect like the perfect transition to – I want to talk about the challenge that we're challenging yeah. the listeners. Yeah, right. We're 55 Absolutely. minutes in. I'm with cool. 55, 55 actually. actually. And I love, once again, the ball of energy metaphor. Look at that ball of energy of our, as our brain. I, I'm like actually asking y'all and anyone listening out loud like to hold me accountable to learning new things. For my brain, for the sake of my brain's energy to be in an expansive state and not and that how that carries over to the rest of my existence. And I think that's a major part of this whole production, if I'm understanding correctly, is for us to come up with the one challenge a week that will bring out our energy in a more profound way mm-hmm. that we're all going to kind of hold each other accountable to and Anybody challenge the listeners to. Yep. to partake in. Yeah. Make it not, no, let's make it normal. Yeah, to join us. <laughs> make to it in join community. Us. Exactly. And, yep. the, and I think we're, tonight we're celebrating Justin <laughs> because <laughs> he, as a prototype beta tester, moved in two weeks ago. Uh-huh. We put him through the fire. <laughs> yeah, and yep. it was at a 55-55. I want to note that. My, my understanding of this challenge that you partaked in, and actually you went a well of beyond. It's just in the summertime, the Colorado waters hover around 55-degree water. Mm-hmm. I think they're more around the low 40s now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was 45. It was 46, 45 is what um, I saw in our group today that, that was measuring it. Okay. Uh, oh, for cool. Evan. Eb and G, okay. Yeah, so there's a couple other so ones, probably low pre- 40s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going between mid-40s and below, probably. Okay. But, um, this is what Justin did. Yeah. You probably five out of the last seven days, you spent five minutes straight in that water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that true? That's true. Yeah, we, we had a few days where we went a little too far over because we were in there talking. Yep. <laughs> and you get out and you can't move. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, got, a little bit, got a little bit crazy, yeah. So the, the challenge is that I'm understanding that we're putting out there, and y'all can all expound upon mm-hmm. this if we want that we're challenging y'all to spend the next week, five out of the next seven days. Yep. If you can, there's, you know, if you can't have access to 55 degree water or lower, then maybe we'll resort to a cold shower, cold shower or ice works. bath sure. or buying a sure. freezer or however far you want to take it. Mm-hmm. But spending at least five minutes straight and 55 degree water or whatever you can or less, mm-hmm. five out of the seven next days and see what happens. Magical. I know that. I'd like to hear some yeah, of your I experience. Yeah, I want to hear because this is because Justin came from Nashville. You haven't been you haven't been exposed to this like in a wild environment before. No, 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 no. Okay, I mean, so talk about it. I had done I'd done some work with a Wim Hof instructor. I was very familiar with breath work and cold exposure. I've been doing cold showers. Anybody who listens to the Clovis podcast knows that I've been screaming about cold showers for three years straight. I challenge everybody to do it. Um, sometimes I'll start them with just thirty seconds cold shower at the end of their shower, just to try to ease them into it. But honestly, this is one of those things where. It's going to sound cliche, but like the more you jump in, like into the deep end, I think the better it is because there's cold showers. And then there's the first day that I really got in the creek. The first day I got in the creek, you guys, I kind of like walked in, went down under, like dunked a couple of times, saw him jump off a rock and was like, wait a second, <laughs> I'm just going to jump off a rock every time. That seems way yeah, easier. Be fun. <laughs> just yeah, go it's for super it. Fun, right? <laughs> yeah. So just plunging in like that every time. And then, like I said, day one, so it wasn't just cold exposure for me because it was like, I didn't know you guys that well. I knew Steven more than anybody mm-hmm. we've met. Uh, we met in Croatia and Mexico. <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I just didn't know you guys that well. And the next thing I know, like you, you really like, you embody what you teach people, which mm-hmm. is amazing. 
I mean, you were in the cold water with me for like, didn't know me at all. You're like this close to me. All of a sudden you're just like yelling and oming. And you're like, you're like, you want to learn these breaths? We're going to do these breaths. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's yeah, do, let's do breaths. the breaths. Like awesome. I'm partly because I'm panicking. <laughs> I'm partly panicking. I'm like, it's cold as shit. Is this kind of how cold it, it is? Yeah, yeah. But it, it really does help. And that's, it's just the diving into the deep end like that and doing the five minutes is such a mental victory. And that's like what I try to help people understand. I'm like, man, you just stood in cold water, or jumped in cold water for five minutes straight. And now like you're grumpy because somebody like didn't let you off the exit in traffic or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't seem like such a big thing. So what ended up happening for me is I still take cold showers every morning. So I take a cold shower here and I get through my cold shower using affirmations. So I speak all of my daily affirmations in that cold shower. Helps mm-hmm. the time go by. It's about five minutes. And then we were doing this creek plunge every day. And out of 14 days, I mean, there's maybe been three or four, maybe four days that I haven't. Wow. And um, I feel notably different. Mm-hmm. I, did, I had no cold plunge today. I did my cold shower this morning, but no cold plunge today. Um, went on a hike and I was out in nature, did some cool things. So it was a good day. I promise you, I feel notably different than when I don't get in that creek. And it's blowing my mind because now I know that I'm going to be breaking ice and jumping in that thing because I just like, I love it. It's addictive. You know? Yeah, it's, it's addictive. Definitely addictive. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't jump in, like we went, we did a 21 day challenge. And I think out of probably that 30 day span, I kind of did two days I didn't go in the creek. Yeah. It's probably 50, 55 degrees during that time. But it was definitely a night and day difference. Like you, it melts away your stress. Um, and people ask me, and they ask us a lot, like, does it get warmer? Do you get used to it? <laughs> it's like, nope. The water's still nope. cold every nope. single time that you get into it. What does get better? is your ability to handle it, you know, and your, your ability to deal with the discomfort. And I think that's kind of the practice too, is, you know, going into something that you're unknown and that's maybe uncomfortable and learning to just relax and, you know, be comfortable with it. Yeah. But it definitely is absolutely one of the, probably the most magical things that I've probably picked up in a habit in the last three to six months. And so it's made a huge difference in my life. And I think that's why, one of the reasons why we're starting with it um, in our first challenge. Yeah. I think this is a big one and something I want to touch on. You guys know that I've been harping on you all about stories versus science and all those things. Um, People tend to make emotional decisions, but it's also good to have some information. Like I know that six weeks of daily cold exposure has been shown to be as effective as SSRI drugs for antidepressant. It's a wild antidepressant. Um, Raises glutathione levels in your body, which is glutathione for those people that don't know is the mother of all antioxidants in the body. It's like one of the most impactful things for your immune system you can do is spike these glutathione levels. And uh, this is clinically proven that that cold exposure spikes glutathione levels. Um, Builds brown fat. Yes. Oh. It mm-hmm. activates the mitochondria yeah. and can shift white fat into brown, brown fat. fat. So That's white like fat increases is, your metabolism, right? Is that what that exactly. basically is doing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. White fat is not metabolically active. So brown fat is metabolically active mm-hmm. to the point where you know, some, some babies are born with too much brown fat. And they, they actually don't survive because it's just, you can't feed that caloric content mm. necessary. So you can actually activate brown fat. And I was telling you guys when I got here, I was a little bummed at where my body composition was at when I got here, just based on some personal stuff I was going through with my health and wellness journey. And I just started like in a week of doing cold exposure with you guys, I was like, my fat is vanishing. <laughs> like, this is crazy. So I just want people to understand that there are real solid benefits to this. And, and there is science behind it um, for those of you that need it. But I mean, we have all the N equals one anecdotal evidence that we need, mm-hmm. you know, but some people just need that extra push of like, these aren't just some crazy guys jumping in cold and saying, it feels good, you know, mm-hmm. but it does feel like you have like six shots of espresso when you mm-hmm. get out. You just have like so much energy, just like, like vibrating. But um, yeah, I just really, really challenge people to, 
to at least give this a shot. Don't write it off as crazy. Try it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. What's a good way for people to ease into it? What would the first day look like? Usually for me, it's like taking that first step is the hardest step. What do you recommend to your Clovis audience? Yeah, this is one of those things where it's so dependent on the individual. Some people are going to get great results. Like when I step into a cold shower, I don't touch. If there's two handles in the shower, the hot one doesn't get touched. It's just, I only use cold water. That's it, right? My hot water heater like never runs at my house at home, you know? So there are some people that are just going to turn on the cold water, step in and breathe through it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's going to work for them. Other people, and don't feel bad if you're one of these people, I'm not saying you're doing it right or wrong. Again, no good, bad, right or wrong. It's just decisions. Some people are going to take their normal shower and then they're going to turn it all mm-hmm. the way to cold and they're going to bear it, grin and bear it for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and then go, oh my God, I'm going to die. And they get out. That's cool. Like you don't necessarily have to jump in a creek. We are challenging you here to go five minutes. I, yeah. I really, really recommend people give this five minute thing a shot. But um, but again, everyone's journey is their own. If you if you don't want to do five minutes, it's totally up to you. You know. Yeah. And you touched on the breath. That's been really powerful. Mm-hmm. Daniel's re- guided us in breath every time, and I'm like, yes. whoa, I'm freaking out. And then Daniel comes in with the breath, and is like, oh, this is manageable again. What would you suggest? Uh, in that way this this is huge and daniel i don't i don't know how how i'm sure you learned this because you told me where you learned that breath work but really what we're doing in that moment is activating the parasympathetic nervous system and also the vagus nerve Mm -hmm. so what's happening is if you're in fight or flight mode if a lion's chasing you you hyperventilate because you need to hyper oxygenate the body as quickly as you can and that's not supposed to last for a long time you need to get to a point where when you're when when the lion's done chasing you Mm -hmm. you need to calm down and humans are very bad at calming down. One of the quickest ways to activate the parasympathetic nervous system is for your exhale to be drastically longer than your inhale. Yeah. So when we do this, it's just this very, very long, 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 long out breaths. Everyone that gets in cold showers, everyone with Clovis who has done this, I have zillions of messages from people who try it. They get in the cold shower and they hyperventilate. (laughs) That's the first reaction. That's the first reaction. I would say too, one thing that helps me is relaxing, especially at the top of your back, where that thing is where the vagus nerve kind of starts right here, right Mm -hmm. in the back, and just trying to relax the back of your shoulders because most people tense up right here, and then they stop the blood flow to the rest of their body. That's so true. And then there's not it gets freezing and it's not as cold. So when you relax it and you can kind of relax into it, the blood will start to flow and you'll start to warm up, get that tingly feel basically. And I think overall, like, you know, the, Daniel's breast was really good and helped me a lot <laughs> to first. And, and what we'll have to do is shoot a video like of us in the breast. creek. It did. It I'm did. pretty sure yeah, I Daniel has a nice breast, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, here I am. Got a nice Daniel shirt. Has nice breast. Breast. He has the best breast at the table for sure, too. By far. He's by far the best breast. Uh, but we'll have to shoot a video of Daniel's breast <laughs> inside the creek. Yeah. Yes. And his breath. And. Yep. Doing his breaths. Yeah. The breath, <laughs> yeah. that's a big deal. So yeah. big, what I'm hearing is big exhales. Big exhales. Yeah, Don't longer exhales. Yeah. Release Relax. the shoulders, mm-hmm. the neck. Once you're in the water is the question, just mm-hmm. to clarify. Yes. Because yeah. there's the things water. you can do before the water right? yeah. that are sure. different. Yeah, like what are some of, of those fire. things? Well, I mean, there's just so many things we're talking about here. Well, we, <laughs> yeah. we work, we'll work <laughs> out. We'll get ourselves All right, yeah, I love the question you asked, how to ease into it. I wanted to answer that one, too. Yeah. I'd say make it an adventure. So wherever you're living, you can even use uh, someone's calling. Uh-oh. Who is that? Is that my phone? That's my friend Wes Atkinson. He's been on the pod, my Breaking Room podcast. Check him out. We had a hunting retreat schedule that got canceled because of COVID. Okay. Because the ranch owner was high risk or whatever that means. Yeah. He might be in the area. He's a he's a guru. I'll tell you that. He's an energy. <laughs> he's an <laughs> <Yeah. a> energy. <laughs> OG. energy. That guy was so deep. Anyways. <laughs> 
Where was I before answering Wes? the question of how to ease in? You said, the "Oh venture. yeah, make it an adventure." Yeah. Wes is a perfect person. This guy knows the land and water better than anyone. Look up where the closest spring is to you. Find out where the closest cold water source is to you, and then find a way to fully submerge submerge yourself in there for five minutes or more. Mm-hmm. And it will most likely lead you to a spring or a spring-fed river, or a spring-fed stream, or a high-altitude lake. Um, it might even lead you to a spring. You can go to findaspring.com, and it mm-hmm. might lead you to a spring that pours off the side of the road. You can just sit your head under that. That is an awakening. Like, I, I love, cold water is, is the truth. <laughs> because mm-hmm. if the truth is what works, then the truth is cold water. <laughs> and if you want to take, like, a layer deeper, find it, like, find out just as there's all these different wines in the world, find out about all the different waters in the world. And you might find yourself finding hot exposure too. Um, where 100 degree plus spring water meets 40 degree spring water, like in a river and a hot spring, that's to me, that is the original healing spot. Mm. Not the hospitals that put McDonald's in cafeteria. <laughs> I mean, they, they have people that know how to heal. And working in those places, but sure. the structure is just not as good as when spring water meets spring water. Like get in the way of the source, and what we are made of water. This earth is made of water. Find the best water near you. It's most likely the coldest or hottest, and get in it for five minutes or more. And if you want to just take a cold shower tomorrow morning, that'll work too. Yeah, I think it's important because you don't. It's not everybody's going to have access to the spring or the creek or the river. And I can help. Cold shower. Find, if, you're, if you want to reach that? out to me, hey, Instagram message Post me. It. I'll help you find a cold spot next there to you. you go. The coldest spot next to you. I've been to every state. I've looked this up. I've been like, I you wonder if I'm just a really a water hunter. You might. I've be said all these hunter. things. I, I, yeah. I've been li- I I like I a eliminator or something. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, well, I I think it's cool that you said that too, though, because there is. I'm I'm with you, and I'm like, I want to make sure that everybody has access to this. But what I'm also hearing Daniel say that's actually kind of challenging the way that I look at it, and I like that, is you kind of do. You kind of do all have access to it. You know what I mean? So there's maybe maybe make that your own challenge. Somebody listening to this who's just going, yeah, maybe I'll just do the shower. If you're free tomorrow, you don't have anything going on or you don't have a, a, you got a a couple hours in the middle of the day that you have nothing accounted for, like, Get in your car and go find a spring. Mm-hmm. You know, it is it is worth doing. Like treating it like an adventure like that is going. There's going to be benefits to any cold exposure. I think any cold exposure you do, there's going to be benefits. But he's talking about exponential compounding benefits. Being out in nature, like the biome of your bare feet, being in the dirt of that creek and mm-hmm. the fresh water rushing over you and all those things. So I guess the message here is like, I don't want anybody to feel guilty if they don't go jump in a creek. But if you think you can do this, if you think you have even a sliver of hope that you can get your butt in a cold creek, you should try to do it. Try it. I think. I agree. And I'm marketing it as an adventure, but let's take it back to the Clovis culture. Yeah. What people at that time on this land, when they would get to a new spot, what is the priority? Water. Always. And finding the best, cleanest water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it is so so inherent in our DNA that just by finding the local spring or the closest thing you can find to drinking water, it's like fresh to drink near where you live is just such a, I want to do more of it. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this is a never ending story too. Yeah. <laughs> it's I pretty agree. magical. Yeah. I would agree. Yep. Well, definitely. I think that that's week one's challenge. Yep. And our goal here with the energy is to come back every week, kind of discuss the challenge, kind of what we've experienced. Um, we want to hear from everybody. 
you know, hashtag us. Uh, we're going to create a Instagram account and a Facebook account that you can follow us at. Um, and we'd like to hear from you, like hear about your experience. Yeah, document about, your experience yeah, along the way. Exactly. Tell us about the local spring that you found, that you uh, jumped in. Um, what I feel like is crazy is once you start doing these things, is you'll you'll find that following that those kind of things and doing things out of the normal um, really leads you to magical experiences overall. You're going to probably meet somebody along the way. You might yeah. meet a new friend <laughs> that is in the spring as well. Um, there's so many things that pop up that's kind of synchronicity and uh, kind of the divine bringing everything together, which is magical about it. So I definitely want to hear everyone's experience. We will be posting ourselves um, in there. Mm -hmm. um, hopefully we'll get Daniel's breast and <sighs> his breaths. <laughs> 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 that we could uh, kind of show you guys some of the ways that we're doing it. And I know that, you know, like uh, Justin said here, he does the cold showers every day and does his gratitudes and um, kind of his affirmations during that. And so anything you can do like that, I think that helps, um, you know, speed the time up and everything like that as well mm -hmm. and, you know, get you more comfortable with them as well. So we want to hear about your experience basically um, and kind of hear the feedback on all this as well. 100%. I'd, I'd, and we'd love to feature you as well. If you're somebody who's going to do a cold water plunge and you want to take a video or a picture and and um, we're going to come up with a hashtag. I think we're going to use a hashtag energy challenge, I-N-N-E-R-G challenge. And that way we can see all your posts and we can feature you guys as well and throw you up on our stories and in our newsfeed and all those things because you know, you might be some crazy person in Chicago that's going to be the weirdo to go find the spring and then we tag you and someone goes, whoa, that's near me. I can go there. You know, and now we have the exponential growth of community and not just breaking normal, but creating normal, you know, making this normal. We have to work together to exponentially get people to do things that are right now deemed weird. They need to become normal. If we, if we want to change the, the way that health in our country is going and mental health and physical health, all of it, like we have to change what is considered normal. And that's what these challenges are about. Like this is really a big mission in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And all yeah. become the, our most the authentic Chicago. selves. Yeah. What is that called? Lake, Lake Michigan. Lake Michigan. That'll probably be there. close. Yeah. I've been in there. There's not many people to jump in that. True. It's great. I have. I mean, there are parts that are polluted. Yeah. I have. But if on the suburbs, I've been to some of the best cold water plunges in the world. It's so easily available to people in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's basically an ocean. It's probably it, pretty cold right it's now. Cold, you think it's down below fish cold year-round, so. but very yeah, cold is. in the winter. Right now, probably... The edges will start to Toronto, ice. that lake in Toronto, not that normal again, that lake. What a lake. Hmm. What a lake. And then if you're living in Colorado or British Columbia, you've got so many options. I, mean, I want to stress, like just personally, water is life. The earth gives birth to water in certain vortexes. Get in that and watch what happens. Nice. I agree, man. I nice. agree. We have anything else on the board over there? I think we're good. Yeah? I think we're good. Well, we'll uh, post this video up and post some videos about our challenge and us doing it. It's next week. We'd love to hear from everybody and kind of hear your experience as well. Hashtag us at inner G challenge. That's I N N E R G challenge. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm stoked to hear the results and I'm stoked to announce next week's challenge too. I think there, I think there are some ideas that presented themselves. Mm -hmm. Oh, and you even know, briefly someone brought up Nestle. Yeah. Nestle knows where all the water is in the world. I'm just yeah. Gonna say that. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Oh, and I, Nestle is not my friend. Right. <laughs> And it's not Peru's friend. And it's uh, not. Yeah. It's not a lot of people's. Nestle is. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. It's tough. Man. It's kind of like Little Debbie. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, they've got a good logo and stuff, but holy mackerel. 
I haven't seen you any. Go down to deep, muggy, swampy waters. Look up that. Look up why Nestle knows about all the water. Oh, what man. are they doing with all the water? Hmm. And all the coffee and all that stuff. Anyways, I'm gonna have to look that up, dude. I, I haven't seen, seen any water. Daniel Pet peeves before today. Yeah, you brought up the freaking brought up the over the hill and Nestle. Yeah, Gosh. both, bro. And you, you brought you brought up King Warrior Magician, and I'm just like, bro. I'm telling you, my entire company is built on injustice. That's it. It's the mm. reason it exists is injustice, and I mm. try to fight that shit every day. So I, I'm saying I respect it, and I love seeing you get worked up. Well, I, hope, I trust like, that yes. someone from Nestle will listen to this, and I believe <laughs> that the, the individuals are amazing. Like I yes, bet there's yes, genius individuals working at Nestle, and I am calling you up. Send me a message or something because I don't understand what y'all are doing. Mm. I would like to ask some questions. I'd like to understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah like the, there's the a, only, only way to change those types of companies is from the inside. And yeah. they can do it. The one, the, yeah, the one that from Nestle is listening right now, or how many of y'all are, do it. Do yeah. it. And the mm-hmm. way the earth is like, wait, the future kids are dependent on that, that water. So that water is life. So anyways, get in the water. Five minutes, 55 degree if you can. Yep. Mm-hmm. Five, five days out of, seven. out of the next seven days. Five can out you of do seven. it? Mm-hmm. I get think in the you cold. can. Yeah. You, you can. And, and basically, it. almost anybody listening to this, I'm sure there's outliers, but I would say the vast majority <clears throat> of people listening to this can definitely complete this challenge. For 100%. Sure. We believe in you, everybody. You got Let's do it. it. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Energy.